Welcome to The Climate Torch from Entrepreneurs for Impact, where we interview CEOs, founders, and investors focused on building companies that tackle climate change. We cover lessons learned from failures and successes, insights into funding business growth, book recommendations, favorite podcasts, and much more. My name is Chris Wedding. I'm a former private equity investor, investment banker, founder, and professor focused on climate investment and innovation. I'm also the founder and chief catalyst at Entrepreneurs for Impact, where we support climate CEOs with roundtables, offering peer-to-peer advisory investor intelligence and executive coaching, because we believe in three things. Businesses grow when people grow. Number two, there's no reason for things to be so lonely at the top. And number three, if you're the smartest person in the room, then you're in the wrong room. So grab your favorite beverage or hop in the car for the commute and let's dive in. Okay, we are here uh, with Scott Frazier, founder and CEO of Carbon America. And uh, Scott, it's uh, it's great to have you on uh, the Climate Torch podcast. And, you know, I've, I've got, I've been able to learn that, you know, so much about you and about about Carbon America, um, since I have the privilege of you being in our, our Climate Mastermind uh, cohort. So it's cool to share what I know, a little of what I know, w- with a much larger audience. So welcome. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm, uh, I really love the, uh, the Entrepreneurs for Impact group that you created and, uh, and the opportunity to work with you on that. And so thanks for inviting me. Here, here. Well, you, uh, you, you do and have done a lot of things. So we're going we're gonna to just talk about, if you will, uh, this really exciting Tech Plus project development platform. I don't want to steal too much of your thunder, but Carbon America. So what's, what's the story with Carbon America? What do you guys do? Uh, what makes you unique? And then later we'll get into maybe some of the, some of the why behind all that. Yeah? Okay, very good. So Carbon America is created a little over a year, a year and a half ago or so. And we realized there's a, a need for a company that can actually go do carbon capture projects. And there's a variety of, you've got to capture the carbon dioxide, get it transported to some sequestration site and then get it sequestered. And there's all these pieces. And we realized that was the key piece that was missing is the kind of the end to end, make the whole thing happen. So we're a vertically integrated super developer is a term we like to use. So we, um, we are going to go do the projects and kick and get done, create, help create this industry and accelerate momentum there. So we, um, we have some technology, um, but it's still, you know, in earlier days and we're working on it. And we realized there's a lot of projects that can go be done with in the, in the pure CO2 market where basically like the ethanol uh, plants and the fermenting process has almost a pure CO2 project. And there's technology off the shelf that you can go use and grab that and get these projects moving. And with the 45Q tax credit that the government passed a handful of years ago, three years ago or so, um, to um, you know, fund this kind of a thing. And so there's this sense of, this is a very important, uh, we think decarbonization mechanism, and there's a need for basically companies to get, be able to go out there and execute the project. So we're gonna start with the low hanging fruit, the pure CO2 projects. We've got this exciting flue gas technology, which can be very impactful. That's how we started looking at the carbon capture spaces. We had a, a a better mousetrap sort of a thing over there, but we don't need to use that better mousetrap to get started. So that's the broad game there. Um, 
Well, I think I think you raise an or you make an interesting interesting uh, point there. Um, you know, in that uh, like th this kind of CCS carbon capture and, and storage or sequestration needs to happen like yesterday. And so while you all do have a better mousetrap you're building, don't wait, right? Uh, start developing projects, learn what it takes to make a project pencil, you know, financially for CCS today with off the shelf, mostly off the shelf stuff, right? Low, low tech risk, but not as efficient as what you guys can do. But after you get X number of projects right under your belt, now your other tech play is ready in CCS. And now you're, you're much further down the, the field, as it were, I think, um, uh, to not figure out development. Now that your tech is ready, right? you, you, you kind of have, will have figured out uh, development, I think, right? That's right. Yeah. And I think, so I mean, we, we think the big impact is when we can go capture flue gas, right? Where you generally you're using air and fuel and combusting it together and you have this dilute CO2, that's the big problem for the world. And, and so that's the end game. But the point is there's a lot to figure out and, and an organization to build and lessons to learn and figure out how to do the sequestration safely and appropriately and what have you. So we can get started uh, while we, and we'll use, until we, we like to say we're technology agnostic, we will use whatever technology makes sense. And in the pure realm, we can use other people's technology. In the flue gas, we're, hoping to find others that, that have something that works. Um, and we've got something of our own that we're developing. And maybe, I don't know whether we'll get to that in this topic of our development, exciting development plans there or not, but the, um, we'll use whatever makes sense. Let's get going, let's do this uh, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. and, and you mentioned the, you know, the flue gas strategy. Um, can you just kind of unpack how the flue gas CCS, you know, um, uh, 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 project or product, uh, how that fits within the broader context of CCS for some listeners that may not ring a bell, if you will. Okay, let's see. So the, so flue gas, I mean, that's where almost all the carbon emissions in the planet is, is generally you're, you're burning fossil, you know, some kind of fuel, often almost always fossil fuel. And that it, um, it ends up being a dilute CO2 somewhere. It depends on what fuel you're using and exactly what application say four to 20% concentrations. At cement kilns and steel furnaces, it can be a little bit higher. Um, but the, the sense there's with all that um, nitrogen that's mixed in, because you are basically using the air to get at the oxygen that's in the air to, to do this thing, it's dilute. And that dilution makes it much more difficult to capture. And so there's proven technologies out there that can use sorbents, so amine systems and various things that absorb the CO2, but the economics are, more expensive, uh, you know, simplistically on the order of $50 a ton uh, to capture it in that realm. We've got a technique that is not a sorbent. It's a cryogenic carbon capture or a, um, that's, that's a term used by another company as well, but the, uh, but we're going to chill the flue gas down where we frost the CO2 out of the process instead of absorb it. And we think we can do this at about half the cost of what the conventional sorbent systems do. So we're excited about that. And we're, we've got some support from you know, at EPRI and some experts there look at it and whatever. So there's, we've got some smart people looking over our shoulder and they're excited about what we're doing as well. But there, there's a ways to go to get that worked out. So let's see, uh, you asked a general question. And I don't know whether, I started talking the technical details of why it's a tricky problem. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe I think the, the other part of it, if I'm following it correctly, 
you all are focused on the flue grass, but the, the point source, if you will, right? Okay, right. Where, yeah, it's, 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 it's not, well, four to 20% concentration of CO2 is not great, but it's a lot better than 0.04% in ambient exactly. air, right? So you're, That's right. You're, you're not envisioning direct air capture from ambient air in your current pipeline. Is that correct or not? Um, we, we don't have a technology that, you know, our, the thing we're working on doesn't particularly help there. Although um, we, we kind of describe our process as phase one, two, three. Phase one is the pure CO2 projects where it's the, uh, the lots of the ethanol plants and natural gas processing, uh, some hydrogen and ammonia plants kind of thing where they've already, get, that's, you know, go do it kinds of things. And then phase two is the point source or, or what I call flue gas or others call concentrated CO2 where it's, it's much higher. And then the, the third phase would be direct air capture. We think again, all these lessons we'll be learning as yeah. this super developer, we will be able to implement what the direct air capture systems that do make sense. There's going to need to be some policy changes probably to get the direct air capture to kind of get a momentum that, um, you know, that, that we'd all like to see there. Sure. So we hope to be in that, but we don't have as uh, much of a t technique of our own. But again, in this super developer project realm, we think we will be able to play in that space too. Yeah, cool. Well, you know, before we hit record uh, this morning, you mentioned, uh, I think, some new uh, company photos uh, being taken. So since you all are a super developer, I expect some very entertaining um, <laughs> headshots, <laughs> capes and, and, and tights and all the rest. Anyway, uh, bad joke for a, a uh, Wednesday morning here. Um, let's see. How about, uh, uh, you, you know, I think some listeners will think, oh, well, you know, I think we... We know we need carbon capture, uh, but gosh, it just doesn't make financial sense. You also mentioned the 45Q federal tax credit here in the U.S. Uh, I wonder if you can say any more to folks who may be concerned about the kind of financial uh, opportunities in CCS or CCUS. Yeah, great question in the sense of we've been kind of working in this, uh, you know, we, we have a parent or a sister company that spun out Carbon America that's been working on energy storage. And so there's this general theme of we're going to need solar and wind are great and they're inexpensive and, and what have you. And that's going to be the backbone of, of how we're going to decarbonize. But we need to complement it or fill in around when it's not available. And of course, energy storage is the classic way to do that. And we've again, got a sister company that's doing that and we're excited about that. But it, it, we have been carefully looking at what are the low cost ways to complement or firm up or make it dispatchable the clean, clean power supplies. And we've, we, we've come up with a low cost energy storage solution, which is helpful there. But we found that the carbon capture actually can be a, a low cost solution in this thing. Now, it may need this cost reduction that we've got in, that we're doing with our frost CC process. But um, the key question is just, how do we come up with the clean uh, dispatchable power to complement variable wind and solar? And we think CCS can be really powerful there in the power realm. And of course, there's also the, the cement and steel and other heavy industry things, which are particularly difficult to decarbonize as well. Um, and carbon capture is particularly well suited for that as well. So there's the sense of we, anyway, maybe to your point of, we pay a lot of attention. Does this make sense? Is this a good solution for the world or society uh, on the raw economics? If we just set aside what 45Q does or doesn't do, the sense of is this a good idea for a society to do this? We think the answer is yes. This is a good way to decarbonize, very cost-effective compared to so many other solutions, particularly if you've got, if you can get the cost down some, as we think we can. 
And for those listeners who don't uh, live and breathe uh, CCS, what what's the um, what what are the few bullets uh, on describing the forty five? Uh, Q project or, or, or incentive program, let's say. Yeah, okay, 45. so the 45Q is a tax credit similar in the sense of what the wind and solar guys continue to have. It's, uh, it's, it's more modeled along the analog of the wind. The, the wind guys often use the uh, production tax credit kind of thing. So yep. uh, for every megawatt hour that the wind guys make, they, they earn a tax credit. And for every C, uh, ton of CO2 that we capture and safely sequester in the ground of the EPA's you know, satisfaction kind of a thing, you earn a similar tax credit. It's then uh, there's two prices. There's a price uh, if you're doing it at an enhanced oil recovery field, then you're assuming you're getting paid by the oil guys a little bit. So you get $35 a ton. And if you're just doing it in a there's a there's a lot of sequestration space in in, in the world in our in our country in particular, in what they call saline aquifers, which are porous spaces underground, which we, we're throwing lots of. Um, we, uh, wastewater into now already, but there's a lot of room in, in that scenario. You get fifty dollars a ton. So, and that actually you know varies with escalate um, inflation, and you're not quite at those numbers. It'll take a few more years to ramp into those. But that's the broad idea: is you earn a tax credit for every ton that you safely sequester, capture, yep. sequester. Yeah, I think I think your analogy to the winds production tax credit PTC is is really helpful to some listeners. Okay, yeah, no, well, and then and this comes a little bit why you know, we need to put the team together that we've done of going and monetizing those tax credits has actually got some interesting financial mechanics that you have to do, much like the wind guys with the partnership flip structures and what have you. And we've got one of my co-founders is uh, Brent Lewis, and he's uh, worked a bunch in the space. So that whole idea of you've got to go get people who have tax liability to join your partnerships. And so this is part of what it takes to make projects happen, independent of the technology and, and making the, the numbers work. Otherwise, it's just the mechanics of figuring out how to do that. There's legislation proposed that might make that you know, a direct pay option possible, which would simplify some of that. So we're, you know, hopefully some of those improvements to uh, stimulating the carbon capture space will will pass here soon. So, but uh, we're, we think we had a successful business even if we work with the rules that exist right now. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I, I've heard similar uh, hopes. Let's say of of a direct pay, you know, cash grant almost. Uh, for the 45Q, just like we had, whatever it was, 10-ish years ago around the solar, right? The so- solar's investment tax credit, the ITC with their 1603 grant. I was I was financing projects in private equity, solar projects back then, and boy, was it much much simpler, quicker, lower transaction costs, the whole the whole deal, more certainty. Uh, so I can imagine that would be a lift uh, for sure. That's right. H- how about? Uh, Scott, your your backstory, uh, you know, what led you to create the company? And I know that we've kind of joked a little bit in the past that, um, uh, you know, to to call you a rocket scientist turned entrepreneur, you know, pros and cons, right, <laughs> to, to whether you want to be called that. But yeah, what, what, how would you describe this this career trajectory, well, career trajectory, but trajectory really of, of impact in the, the kind of clean tech space? Okay, so... I'm trained as an aerospace engineer and, and was fortunate enough to get, when I got out of school, the shuttle program was gearing up. I got to go work in uh, you know, the space industry and was in there for like 18 years. And it was an overlay. I mean, it has a similar theme to what I'm trying to do here in, in climate mitigation of, you know, early eighties was like, we're going to go save the world with space kind of thing. Right. The space shuttle was coming along and it was like, this is an impactful place to work. And so got 
um, a chance to work on the shuttle program and at orbital sciences, building small launch vehicles and flying them. And then it kind of, at the, at the back end of that, I joined up with Andy Beal in Dallas, Texas, and we were doing a big dumb booster strategy. It was sort of a precursor to Elon Musk's SpaceX thing. And like Elon's team ended up using some of our test facilities that we built, which, you know, was, anyway, so it was this, let's keep it simple, go do something big. Andy Beal had this, um, I, I got this great lesson on audaciousness that I, that I've treasured to this day of, why not? Why can't we go do this? Why and if you keep it simple and you break it down into pieces and you and you get after it, you can really do some. We did some really neat stuff there, and I got a lot of great experience um, uh, building a team and and going and doing some amazing stuff and stuff that the world finds um, you know, I don't know if amazing is quite the right word, but something along that line. But it's it, it's the lesson for me was in the if you just keep it simple and you keep and you keep working hard, you can get lots of that neat stuff done. So, I when I joined up on Andy's team was for like, and I had a, a clever solar collector idea that I'd been kind of playing around in the background. So I was like, well, I'll, here's my last shot in the rocket industry thing, and we'll we'll see how this goes. And then when I'm done, I'll go try this solar thing out. So, uh, we almost worked for almost four years with Andy until that got difficult, and he decided that he did wasn't that wasn't for him anymore and we um so i went off and then i started doing this solar thing and worked with that on like eight years and kind of did that all out of my own uh pocket kind of a thing and just tried to keep that to keep your nose down or you know head down and, and keep grinding away at it i ran into alex loud my other co-founder at carbon america in like 2008 or 2009 and he had helped a little on the solar but Somewhere in there, I brought up this energy storage idea that we had, and he liked that. And we said, let's go make a company doing energy storage. And that was in um, 2010. I got a, a co-founder in there with uh, Brian Von Herzen on that. And we've been working on that a lot. And there, there's a segue over here to Carbon America, which was the, the energy storage thing ended up st starting in compressed air energy storage, but it moved into heat pump energy storage. And so heat pump energy storage, I think, can be quite cost effective. And then when we were became aware of this idea of doing carbon capture with a heat pump. So basically, again, you're going to cool down the flue gas to the point where you can frost the CO2 out of the, the stream was sort of like, hey, we're kind of good at heat pumps. How would we do that? And, and we, we found like, oh, here's a process. And in fact, we were kind of taking tips from other people. So it wasn't completely our own idea, but it was the energy storage work that said that laid the foundation why we thought there might be a place for us to play in carbon capture. We still did not have clearly a business there in the sense that was still before the 45Q tax law had passed. So we had had that on the shelf. And then when the 45Q um, thing passed, it was like, oh, we've got a great technology. Let's go see if we can chase this carbon capture space. And then Alex had realized this missing element of it, it needs more than the technology. It needs this company, an entity that can go out there and get these projects done. So we drew a bigger circle, then we've got a better mousetrap thing of Yes, we do have a better mousetrap, but the world's going to need a company to go execute these projects. And um, let's go do that. And we'll ha we have it. So it's a project company that's got this um, neat technology that we hope to make work too. And that's a little off of the backstory. I guess it turned into <laughs> how I got to where we are now. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, there's a, a story, a, a thread in there, I guess, or a, a no, timeline. I, I, think it's, I think it's super helpful and, and some... Some uh, some other names in there, 
to, to unpack for listeners and some other, you know, lessons. I think, I think, you know, a couple of those lessons, one was, I think, you know, Andy Beal's comment of, or question of like, well, why not? Why can't we do this? Right. Um, I think often the approach, certainly from, well, maybe this is true more for kind of finance and engineering types is, and I say that coming from, from, from finance, but, and working with lots of engineers is, well, here's why that won't work, right? Versus, well, why can't it work? Or what if it worked or that kind of thing? It's a very different approach. Um, the other word, which you said, which, which you say a lot, which is a good reminder, which is, which is audacious, right? Uh, are your kind of goals uh, audacious enough? And I think maybe related to that, related to that, you know, idea, one of the, one of the things on my, my whiteboard back there to keep in mind is, you know, how can you, how can you think bigger? Like what, what's harder to do, right? I mean, the harder something is to do, the less likely as other, others are going to try to do it, which may mean it's rarefied air or the, it's a bigger moat or whatnot. Uh, and just last segue, I think about two, the, the two words or attributes, which I think you tend to work by or live by, uh, you didn't mention them here, but I'm gonna I'm gonna bring them up or whatnot, and maybe have you elaborate if you want to. But if I recall correctly, uh, aggressive and thoughtful is this is this correct? Right. Yeah. So that's that is sort of a it's like yeah. So you have that audaciousness aspect of um, let's let's take on uh, something. Let's try and do it quickly, and let's try and see can how inexpensively we can do it. But the and, and it is, you know, as trained as an engineer and whatever, the, the looking carefully at it, break it down, look at, you know, the numbers for the financials or the schedules or the timelines. And uh, so it's a, that aggressive but thoughtful uh, combination, I think, is pretty, can be pretty powerful. And that's kind of how I do try and operate. Yeah. You know, the, the next question I often ask, you might have covered some of it already, but it's what advice you might have given yourself uh, 10 years ago, uh, or pick some other, you know, number, certainly I, I, I'm hearing, you know, be audacious, but what, what else might you add to that, Scott, for other entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs, uh, or for me? <laughs> yeah, good question. So, occasionally I think of that. So, the, I guess the, the thought that goes into my head of team is really important. I mean, and you hear that a lot, so that's not a new nugget, but the, the sense there of and I've got a great team and I've had a great team, but it's been a small team all along here. And so the sense of go, go add horsepower to your team seems like that's the key that really lets, you know, till you have the horsepower, you can't get stuff done kind of a thing. So that's the part that feels like, and I kind of knew it, but it, it's, I think maybe I don't pay enough attention to it day to day or month to month kind of a thing. And then go get yourself a great team kind of a thing, um, which, you know, we've added a, a bunch of great new people to our team in the past year or two kind of a thing so they're it's it's certainly not like i'm thinking oh man i, I need a good team i've got a great team i just need right. more of it kind of a thing yeah. so yeah um, that, that's cool awesome. i like it uh how about so we, we've, we've talked about you know uh, carbon america uh, uh mostly so far um and by the way it's 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 funny what's running through my head right now my two of my kids are really into the avengers the, 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 the 3000 Avengers movies right now. And so I'm picturing Captain America. So I, I can't help but like have that image in my head when I describe, I was thinking about Carbon America, but anyway. Um, uh, yeah, so, so switching to the Scott side of this discussion, 
Uh, what are some personal habits, you know, daily routines uh, that, that's got you think, I don't know, have gotten you where you are today, will get you to where you want to go personally and professionally, let's say? Yeah, good point. And, um, hmm. So that question, I was thinking about it a little because you mentioned you might suggest that question. And I was like, I have, you know, and, and in fact, you're helping me. We're working somewhat on trying to figure out how to keep all the plate spinning or the balls juggling kind of a thing. And so the various techniques on that. So you know, I've got habits that I've got there and trying to make them better. But there's, I, I was thinking on the one thing that I find is unique, and I'm not even sure this is good advice for others, but this thing that, that ended up being unique for me is the occasionally stuff comes by and you're like, hmm, that's not quite what I was expecting, or I wonder if that connects to this. And I find that when I pause and actually go check out and see whether it's connected to what I think it might be, I, and, and it, sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't, but the point was that habit of, ah, hold it, I, I hear something over here that, that's suggesting I need to go pay attention or, you know, stop what I was doing and go do this other thing and look and see if it connects to something else that's in the big mix. And, and that is a habit that I think is, so then after doing that over and over for years and years, I've, I've connected lots of dots. And I think that's one of the, that's what I'm feel like I, I'm bringing to the world to help out is, oh, I can see things that, that are not in patterns that are kind of conventionally uh, recognized kinds of things because I kept going and doing that. Now, I don't know whether that could go to why I struggle with trying to keep all the plates spinning is because I keep, I, oh, hey, there's another plate. Maybe that needs right. to spin too or something. I don't right. know. Right yeah. now. But it's a thing that I do that, that I find. So for if someone were listening or whatever, the sense of if, if your voice is telling you, I wonder if there's something to this over here, go find time to do it because life's busy and it's easy to just um, miss, you know, to set aside that, um, the point, you know, where maybe something's tickling you saying, I wonder if this is related to, you know, if this might, if this, this insight has any merit kind of thing. And I think then similarly, the practice of does it have merit or not is, is a great practice as well, right? So that's how, I mean, Alex likes to point out that I'm big on techno-economics and I am. It's just, you, you, you build these patterns of uh, how do I compare that to something else? And, and when, the more you compare things to each other, the more you start recognizing where the strengths are and where the, uh, what are the right questions kind of thing. So it's a, when you hear the question, go put a little time and to listen to seeing if you can answer it. Yes. Mm. Um. Well, yeah, I think, I think I hear, and I'm writing down a few, a few, you know, threads there. One is, um, is like, you know, feed, feed your curiosity. Right. That's right. And, uh, you know, it's like, as I think about, you know, uh, uh parenting, it's like, well, how do you instill, uh, curiosity. Um, I'm not sure I'm doing it right, but I, I, I will, one thing I assigned to our our youngest, our ten year old, for her kind of summer learning yesterday was, hey, like you know, tell me why um, uh, the tomato plants' leaves are yellow. What are the possible causes? Because we're trying to grow these these tomatoes very painfully with too many shade trees, uh, or you know, tell me why the 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 balloons that were, you know, rubber versus your birthday balloons that are, you know, foil. While one, why does one sink, you know, over a shorter period of days than the other? Right. Anyway, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get them thinking like you're thinking. But yeah, I think feed the curiosity is a, is a, is a theme there. I think the other thing I hear and I know from our conversations is, 
you know, you, you're not just an engineer, but you also understand, you know, finance and policy. And, and it's like, you know, the degree to which we as professionals can, or even as, as uh, Amy DeFore from Prime Impact Fund on, on our last podcast said, viewing ourselves as three-dimensional human beings, but, but, but the extent to which we combine different fields and we're, we're pretty good at say two or three fields, but when they come together, we're some of the best in whatever, the country, the world, our sector, it's that overlap of expertise in multiple sectors, right? That we're, we all talk about, well, many of us talk about, you know, kind of being multidisciplinary and such. I think that's what I hear, you know, Scott, and in, in what your right. maybe secret sauce might be is being at the center of that. And then the, the third thing I hear is um, it relates to what uh, Nicole Poindexter, another member of our group, of course, at Entrepreneurs for Impact, she's at, at Energicity, for those listening, you know, she talked about, um, you know, think time. I think, I think Doug at Worldtree talked about think time as well. Do, do you have it built into your schedule? And most of us don't. In fact, this is a reminder to myself to go back, <laughs> go back to my <laughs> schedule. Do I have think time built in? And it's almost like, you know, at least in Chrome, they now have this feature of like, add to your reading list, right? It's almost like add to your think time list. And if you block, block off, who knows, you know, two hours on a Friday morning, maybe that's when you, you get to feed your curiosity because the risk, as you, as you, as you uh, rightly notice, if you just, you know, feed that curiosity right when you're curious, well, you're distracted, right? That's right. So there, there is a, <clears throat> a give and take. Um, anyway, I don't know if, 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 if my threads I'm observing <laughs> sound correct or not, Scott? Anything else you'd add to that? Oh, that's right. I think that's, so I guess maybe, and that could be a good compromise of like, uh, when you hear that voice saying, I wonder if this connects to that or whatever, however that manifests itself for, for someone, um, flag it so that, that you can come back to it. It's probably a better idea to flag it and come back in, in a set aside time like that. I was just, I guess my point is don't ignore it, I guess, is the main yeah. thread. It, yeah. It's probably the decent advice, how you do it, yeah, you got to watch out for the distraction problem in there. And, and clearly, I think people can look at me and, and wonder how well um, I'm managing that. So uh, that, Not at all. we, all, Not at we all. all work the best we can for that. Many, many important world-changing climate-fighting plates uh, in the year. That's right. Um, well, how about, uh, let's go to uh, some recommendations, uh, Scott. Are there any books that you might recommend to listeners? Um, this. The book Loonshot by, I think it's McCall. Um, it, it's one where they're pointing out that there's a couple of modes that make for success companies, but kind of the innovation is a distinct thing from what they, he was calling the franchising. But this sense of there's two broad categories of what kind of makes company goes and depends on the nature of what, um, where you are in the company or, or even parts of the company to kind of, it's, you know, go creating the new stuff versus the execute on the stuff the executing, I guess, kind of a thing. I thought that was a really powerful framing and uh, one of my colleagues had recommended it. And, and that was, I think that was a useful thing for at least those in the startup realm and or trying to build and grow a company. There's that, um, how do we evolve uh, through that life cycle of the company? And, and similarly, that sense of just by nature, there's this innovation thing that's generally at the front. And then there's an execution thing that's about the, you know, the making the difference and and, you know, uh, succeeding kind of a thing and so how to balance this so I mean, that was one that i i would might recommend um, mm -hmm. and, cool and 
How about uh, are there are there podcasts that you listen to? Yeah, I, I listen to the Energy Gang and the Interchange. The, those guys, you know, Stephen Lacey and his his those things he does. They're they're really good. They're like the mainstay of what I do. Yep. I feel like everybody listens to those or, or what yep. have you. But that's I like those guys. Uh, you know, kudos to Stephen for you know all that stuff he pulls together. There's others that he he works on too. But those are a couple of my favorites. I look forward to those every week. You know, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I second that as well. What about uh, what about quotes? Scott, any that you or your team keep front and center? You know, and I've got all these admonitions to myself about how to be and things like that. And but there weren't there aren't maybe that many quotes in there. But there was one that I was thinking of. It's um, um, save the world and die anonymously doing so. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, I don't know if it's a famous quote from somebody. I heard it from Al Colleen, who's a vistage speaker uh, kind of thing. And uh-huh. when he said it, my head turned like, is he talking to me? <laughs> um, right, right. But it, it's got this, you know, dream big kind of thing. Yeah. But the selflessness of it, it's like, mm. um, I mean, that combination seems like a uh, powerful touchstone for me of let's, um, Think big, but just be part of the team getting the big stuff done. It's not, mm-hmm. not about me uh, kind of thing that, um, anyway, that, that, that's one I, that I like. And, and it, when I think of it every time, it's like, oh yeah, that's right. Let's just get at, get at this and make a difference. I, I love it. I've never heard it before. Um, you know, it, it makes me think about how sometimes when we, and I say when I will set, you know, kind of whatever impact goals, um, you know, whether that's dollars or pounds or, you know, people or whatnot, uh, combined with the idea of think bigger and moonshots and all the rest, um, you know, it's like, it's like I, I haven't, I've caught myself thinking, well, you know, why do I need these numbers to be bigger, right? I mean, obviously the beneficiaries are whatever, the planet or the people or whatnot. But I think the other thing to, to be aware of, for me to be aware of is like, well, to what degree is ego driving, right? Those numbers uh, as well, and that's not that's not that's not a healthy reason for those numbers uh, to be big, which relates to to your comment, you know, very well. Save the world, but nobody needs to know, right? And, and oh, by the way, it is a very much a team effort uh, uh, as well. And and look, I think we have these debates sometimes, kind of within our various sectors, and I think it's easy to to focus on. The ways, even within whatever CCS or energy storage or climate solutions, why one is better than the other, or one is is right, the other's wrong. But in general, right, we were all headed in this in this better than business as usual uh, direction. Um, I like it. I like it. Yeah. Well, I wonder, Scott. We're 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 kind of at time here. We clearly could talk for much longer uh, on these <laughs> topics and more. Uh, I don't any any final words of I don't know, advice or inspiration or how folks or maybe when should folks reach out to to you and Carbon America perhaps? Yeah, good point. Um, how so? We're we've been kind of this um, submarine mode and not particularly high profile. That which I'm not suggesting is necessarily a, a good technique, but that's what we've done, and we're trying to change that a bit. So stay tuned or keep listening. I think to the extent of um, uh, 
we've got lots of neat stuff to do. We're going to need a bunch of people to help us do it, joining the team as investors or, or colleagues or site hosts. Um, there's all sorts of ways. I uh, would love to let's go make a difference together kind of a thing. So um, somehow I'll look for the opportunity to, to help join us and help us maybe figure out how to reach you to, again, since yeah. we're not we're not very out there right yet. Um, I'm going to try and, you know, maybe this podcast is a little down payment on something like that, but stay tuned. We'd love to have, you know, it's going to take a big effort to get these things done. As I mean, you, you talk to all sorts of amazing entrepreneurs all the time, and, and I'm sure that's a similar theme, but um, we're all collectively trying to make a difference here. And um, uh, we'll look forward to, you know, having more people join us doing that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty, it's pretty exciting for two groups of folks. One is either the, you know, uh, emerging professional, you know, recent graduate or, you know, plus a few years or the career changer who says, I've got all this experience and whatever, oil and gas, you know, tech, fine, fine, you name it, but I want to be in the climate solution space. Both those groups, I think, um, to hear that, that, you know, Carbon America does and will have more uh, you know, job opportunities. That's certainly exciting. I think the other thing is for folks listening that are that are developing or have, you know, CCS technologies. Um, you know, as a super developer, you're agnostic right now for what solution uh, you use. So maybe there's, I'm sure there will be listeners that have CCS tech, you know, advanced or, or in the works that could be something that, that you all can put in projects. Point. And thanks for bringing that up because I think we, we just want to you know, do what can get done, right, kind of thing. So um, we'd love to, to learn more about what other people have to offer in this realm because we just, we, we, uh, we're focusing on let's go execute and we'll, we'll use the best tools available. So yep. um, even though we've got neat mousetrap of our own that we're working on, um, we'd love to see more mousetraps or here, here. business models or things that are, that are that could be helpful to this whole thing. Let's get going. There's a lot of decarbonization to get done. Here, here. Well, uh, Scott, great, great to connect as we talked about, just like a normal conversation, but we record uh, this time. Uh, anyway, uh, certainly I, but I say we collectively are rooting for the success of Carbon America and, and looking, looking forward to our, our next chat. Very good. Thank you very much. listening to The Climate Torch from Entrepreneurs for Impact. If you'd like to learn more about climate finance and startups, I write a weekly newsletter called Zero, which you can find via the footer on our website, entrepreneursforimpact.com. In these, I also write about personal development and conscious leadership with questionable attempts at humor. Finally, if you or someone you know might benefit from joining a private club for post-accelerator growth stage climate CEOs and investors, then schedule a call at our website. Our year-long cohort with just 10 to 15 executives helps members make better decisions, scale their businesses more quickly, be held accountable to their top personal and professional goals, create more time in their day, motivate their teams and work on not just in their ventures. Plus, we've got a member-only climate investor database with 550-plus corporate and project investors to help leaders become more investment savvy. Until next time, remember this. We need more than $1 trillion invested per year to hit our climate goals, and big problems mean big opportunities. So if not you, then who? 
And if not now, then when? All right, let's get to work, y'all. Thank you.